This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Seal and I'm joined today by Fraser Nelson and Katie Balls. Now, yesterday we had the Privileged Committee report into Boris Johnson that came out. Several MPs have come out and said they're going to vote against that report when it comes to the House of Commons on Monday and there'll be a free vote on it. Katie, tell us where we're at in terms of the kind of numbers on this. So the debate on Monday, I think we'll just see, as you would expect, the war of words we've seen playing out in the press before the Provisions uh, Committee report even came out, um, but also yesterday. So you will have some Boris Johnson backers obviously suggesting the report is unfair. Kangaroo call is obviously the phrase they like to use. And then others saying how awful Boris Johnson is. Now, I think what is interesting really is the vote. And that vote will be on whether Boris Johnson, who could no longer be suspended because he is not an MP, then it would have been a very long three month suspension. But whether he should not be allowed to get the commons pass that former MPs tend to receive. Um, this is what happened to John Burko, if you remember, he uh, was not allowed to have this commons pass, so he could not set foot in Parliament, you know, in in the way that other former MPs have done. And I think it's very likely that this punishment will pass in the sense that the government is not whipping it. You're not really meant to whip uh, standard votes like this in the first place. So Owen Patterson debacle was mm. a, a break away from this. And therefore, Labour will vote for it, Lib Dems will vote for it. But it will be an interesting taste of the temperature in the Tory party to see how they go on this. And you have uh, reports today that Boris Johnson is um, suggesting to his supporters, you don't need to, you know, take a stand and vote against this. And let's just move forward. But you have had a few Tory MPs come out and actually make, almost try to make a virtue of the fact they're going to vote to back the report and not give Boris Johnson his pass, Anthony Brown being the first. And get, when you have Nadine Doris, who... Tory MP, former Tory MP, it's it's a process that we're still in. But when you have Nadine Doris putting out tweets on social media saying that any Tory MP who uh, votes, you know, for the report's recommendation deserves effectively to be deselected and will face the wrath of local association, I think it serves to actually make quite a few Tory MPs turn around and say, I was going to abstain, now I'm going to vote for the report. Not quite. And we're going to have a running list on Coffee House about all the MPs who's going to be voting for and against and what they've said thus far. Now, Fraser, you've written about the Privileges Committee uh, report into Boris Johnson, but you think they slightly missed the point on this. Tell us more about it. Well, I think right now we're in the festival of egos here in the, in the House of Commons. Um, the I think it's... Um, uh, disgusting spectacle really to see MPs force their constituents into by-elections because they can't be bothered to serve a final year. And Nadine Doris, Boris Johnson, Nigel Adams, all of whom are going to have thousands of people go to the polls because they're having a hissy fit. Now, if you've got Nadine Doris, even worse, she's going to force her constituents into by-election because she's not into the House of Lords. And then when I was reading the Privileges Committee report yesterday, all 30,000 words of it, I was just struck by the amount of energy which they put into pursuing each other now. So they're very keen to um, blow poison darts at Boris Johnson. But if only there had been a report of that size, energy and vigour into, for example, um, whether lockdowns work or not. So it's a really important question, which you could look at now, but nobody's looking at. If if they'd scrutinised lockdown policies at the time, how much better off we would be? It seems as if the whole of Westminster is descending into putting themselves and their own, their own careers and their own feuds and vengeance battles 
ahead of what they ought to be doing, which is, first of all, serving their constituents until the parliamentary term is up, and then raising the difficult questions that we urgently need answers to about what what went wrong in lockdown, what's the damage now, how best to repair that damage. There's so many more important questions than, than whether to fire more, more bullets into the political corpse of Boris Johnson. And what I suspect now is that politics in general is doing itself a disservice. Parliament is looking a bit self-obsessed and tawdry. The Conservatives are looking like the party of feuds. They're about to have a huge vote on Monday. We've just been discussing it basically on whether to take away Boris Johnson's pass, which most ex-MPs get, to stave off the small chance of his showing up in Strangers Bar to order a gin and tonic. So the fact that they're going through all of his motions over a guy who is not just a former prime minister, but who's resigned as an MP, shows the way to which I feel there is a sense of playground politics. Um, and by the way, I say parliament, effectively, this is the Conservative Party. So I think it will um, make Labour look a lot better by comparison. We talk about firing political bullets and uh, we're expecting to see Boris Johnson unveiled tomorrow as the new Daily Mail columnist. Katie, what do you think his game plan is for this column? So we wait with bated breath for uh, the for it to break tonight, and I'm sure it, the Daily Mail will get a splash out of his first column. I think it's been really interesting in in two ways. So first off, what type of columnist is Boris Johnson once as a former prime minister? It is given he has been a number ten, has tried to do various things on policy, some of success, some less successful. It means it's a bit harder to perhaps write columns, you know flippantly attacking the government for not doing this people can turn around and say well actually you didn't do that now this may not stop him and you look at some of the attacks even in that statement on friday complaining about the tax burden complaining that the kept animal bill uh, seems to be you know put to the side complaining there isn't a uk us trade deal and i think on that one it seems very much the sweet spot for getting a UK-US trade deal was the beginning of his premiership when Donald Trump was president, when actually they wanted to move pretty quickly on it. And you had a situation where Liz Truss was almost physically being stopped by various government aides from going near a microphone and talking about a trade deal when she was international um, trade secretary at the time. And it could be that it was just the aides around Boris Johnson at the time rather than Boris Johnson's opinion, but it was certainly the view of number 10 as a fact that they thought... It was too politically uh, toxic and divisive to go for a UK-US trade deal near an election and soon after. And that, of course, now we're in a situation where Joe Biden is president. There's not much time ahead of the next election. So that is a slight side point. But you can start to see from that statement the issues where he like to go politically. I think the big thing Boris Johnson seems to be saying at the moment, um, in both in that statement and in the comments to the Express, is... We can't go light on Brexit. We need to deliver Brexit properly. And you saw that with not voting for the Windsor framework. And I think that's part of the narrative he's trying to create. And you'd expect the column to uh, be used as, as part of that strategy. Now, of course, as we saw from the Telegraph column, it could be on lots of different issues, which are, are not so political, particularly if it's weekly. But I think the column is interesting on a political level regardless of the content as a reminder that Boris Johnson is not going quietly something I touched on in the cover piece is this idea of you have a situation whereby things can get difficult for Rishi Sunak difficult right now um, but you think after those by-elections and you potentially have an angry Boris Johnson making all these interventions and lots of people hoped he would go quietly I think if you have a weekly column whatever you put in it you're not going quietly 
and Fraser, how worried should Rishi Sunak be about Boris Johnson? Boris Johnson's got the potential to be a real pain for Rishi Sunak. He's a fantastic columnist, one of the very best. And he will create a huge fuss if he decides to use this very powerful platform. The Daily Mail on Saturday is the Britain's most read newspaper. And it's, if he uses that to attack Sunak week in, week out, he will create a, a fuss. He will create a, a narrative. People will be writing about what Boris Johnson writes if he does choose to use that column to, to go in the offensive. I imagine Rishi Sunak was quite happy when Boris decided not to take a column uh, after he became Prime Minister. And I assumed at the time that was because Boris can probably earn as much giving one speech as he could do in a year of columns. I think 300 grand was what he was getting last time. But now, you know, who knows, perhaps Carrie's got her eye in a house in Belgravia or whatnot. I have no idea. But if he wants to, uh, if, if he's deciding he does need significantly more money, the Daily Mail will be entitled to um, pay him top dollar. It certainly would be worth it for the the fuss he creates, and then that gives him a political platform. How will he use it? Will it simply be to uh, return fire on Rishi Sunak, or might it be towards another new agenda? There's even some talk of whether Boris might, uh, if he's not selected as a Tory MP, stand for another party, the kind of um, Boris Johnson restoration trust party or something, I don't know. It's hard to see that, because... Boris is not really, he's not a Farage figure. He's not to the right of um, Rishi Sunak. He's probably to the left of him, certainly when it comes to tax and spending. Also rather hard for him to sit and say, why doesn't Sunak do X, Y, and Z, when he himself has an unparalleled opportunity to do almost anything after his stunning 2019 majority. Um, so I'm not quite sure how this is going to play out, but I'm going to have a lot of fun finding out, as I imagine there are quite a lot of people. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots. 